Welcome to the Trying to Be Better podcast with Joel and Steve. There it is. It's all happening. We are doing it. <laughs> hey, hey, everybody. <laughs> We're doing it. We're going to do it. <laughs> Every Let's time. do this. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to the Trying to Be Better podcast with Joel and Steve. My name is Joel. Hi, Joel. I'm Steve. You know Hi, that. Steve. Already. I'm Joel. <laughs> we, I'm a little groggy, and I admitted yeah. that. Right at the- <laughs> well, I, I, I was up way past my bedtime last night. We played a gig in Omaha. And, oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I was I'm normally that? in bed, but I turn into a pumpkin at 10 o'clock, and I got home at 2. You know, Woo! so it was fun. It was great. Yeah, what what you guys played Olivers? Is that correct? <laughs> yeah, we played Olivers, uh, and it was a like a birthday party for one of our fans. Like, there's this oh, nice. contingent of people that comes down to all basically all of our shows, and it was his fiftieth birthday party. And his wife hired us to play like a surprise party for him. Ooh, yeah, it was great, man. We got there, and uh, like his, I think it was his son's band was like the playing the show that night, and so he yeah. was kind of like. Like his friends were outside when we got there, and he, they're like, he just he has no idea, and he's kind of pissed. <laughs> he, like he thought he thought his wife was like, you know, oh cool, I get to see my son's band for the thousandth time on my birthday, on my fiftieth birthday, you know. Yeah, so right, kind of. Right. And then when we walked in, he was like, no, <laughs> it was great, man. I, I've I, I've never seen. He was like a kid in a candy store all night long. It was really great. From a, you were you were the exotic dancer jumping out of the cake. That's exactly right, and happy to do it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> hell yeah! Great, man. It was it was a lot of fun, and I'd never I'd never been to a Lever's. Great place. I mean, it's really tight, but it's yeah. fun. You know, it's yeah. got a great vibe and it's just yeah. cool. Nice. So yeah, it's good. Well, I was tired, Joel. <laughs> well, my story is not nearly as cool, but I <laughs> actually did some social socializing yesterday. Oh, really? Yeah, I went bowling. Oh and yeah, then I saw I, that. How was it? And was then I good? went out to eat and got some and went to the Fuff Factory. I had like a whole I had a whole afternoon into the early evening of social activity. Was it fun? Was it good to be around humans? It was it was great. Okay. And I I got to play Star Wars pinball. <laughs> what more do you want? But the pro, but the thing that kept us up was we just we finished uh and I am not ashamed to admit this. We finished the second season of the show Cheer on Netflix. Have you watched this cheer? It's about, it's about this set, like small community college cheer program in Texas. Anyway, <laughs> riveting, riveting documentary. I, I like you, you don't have to give a shit about cheerleading or college sure. cheerleading, but the document, the, the way these filmmakers tell this story is unbelievable. So it's a documentary. It's not like a yeah, comedy docu series. Yeah. It's okay. It's, is it it's age great. appropriate? Like, can my kids watch it? <laughs> yeah. Okay. In the I second don't know, it's season, college kids. Well, yeah. In the set, there's you know there's some curse words, but in the second yeah. season, they cover one of the first one one of the folks from the first team or the first season um, got into a bit of a tr- some trouble with in abuse. He was oh. abusive and, and predatory, uh-huh. and uh, so that right. gets a little hairy. But um, it's <laughs> fantastic and well made. So that I was up late, and then I popped a melatonin a little too late, so I'm a little groggy this morning. Cool. Yeah, I think uh, I think there used to be a show on KZUM. How's that for a slick segue? Uh, wow, You're uh, called I'd call I'd, <laughs> I'd rather I'd rather be groggy in the morning. as a guy that it's been a, it's been a while, uh, but yeah, he just talked about like that was his premise. Is like I don't drink coffee, so this is what you get in the morning. Oh wow, that sounds great! Great segue. So <laughs> thank you. <laughs> the 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 delightful laughter that you may be hearing in the background is the amazing Carrie Semrad. I. I, Carrie has graciously agreed to give up a little bit of her Sunday morning to talk to these two ding dongs. <laughs> so we're really grateful that you're here, Carrie. I've known you uh, for quite a while, and um, and you know your husband Mike was on the podcast. But you two are kind of a force of nature in the Lincoln community, and I've always I've always just enjoyed being around you as a person, as an energy, and as an artist. And now you are a community leader, and so. We're really lucky to get to have you on our podcast. So everybody, welcome Carrie Semrad to the podcast. Good morning, Carrie. Thank you. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> I don't know how I follow that up. I'm trying to I'm trying to place like when I first crossed paths with you, it would have been uh, 
you know, probably around the same time I met Mike, because you guys were already kind of connected by that point. So it was, mm-hmm. it was, you know, UNL days, right? Yeah. Mike and I actually met first class, first day of college. Oh my wow. God. Monday off and running. <laughs> Welcome to college. I know. Was it, I know. Was it just I like you, you looked at each other and just started talking and we're like, well, we're probably going to be together for a while. Or well, it- it's funny enough. We were in, it was in a theater class because we both went to UNL theater and we were sitting in a circle as you do in theater classes on the yes. floor, t- yes. talking about yourself at the beginning of the class. And we were going around in the circle and I had already said who I was. And we get around to Mike and he said who he was. I was just like looking at him and he had um, this weird t-shirt on that had two aliens in a sexual position on it, (laughs) but I couldn't figure out what it was. And I was like staring at his t-shirt going, what is that on there? I didn't realize that I was staring so hard because when I figured it out, I looked up at him and he was looking at me and he like gave me this like wink. Like you're it. All right. Yeah. Okay. But we were friends for a long time before we started um, dating, but we were pretty much connected at the hip from, from day one. And Joel, I think I met you in like 2000 or 1999 or something like that. Yeah. Cause I, right when I transferred from Westland to UNL, I kind of got sucked into the whole crew over there. So it was like Abby and James and all of Mike and, you know, Brian and all those folks. So yeah. Yeah. Good group. Yeah. So Go ahead, Steve. Sorry. I was going to say just the couple of times I've seen you play with Mike and the bottle tops, like you guys have this, just this easy camaraderie, <laughs> you know, there's like just this energy between you guys, at least on stage. And I'm, and from what I've seen from Mike's Saturday morning posts on Instagram at home, <laughs> but like just this very easy kind of playful energy, which is just a delight to watch. And Oh, thanks. Yeah. It's a lot. It's just a lot of fun, really. He's yeah. a nut. He's a nut. He's the best person I know. <laughs> no, that's good. <laughs> yeah, that's I'm sure he would say the same about you. So that's <laughs> that's the magic right there. So are you, are you like a Nebraska person? Terry? I, you know, I, I went to high school in Kearney, but before okay. that I lived in Chicago. So oh, after I graduated accent. college, uh, we moved back to Chicago. Mike and I did. I drug uh-huh. him back there kicking and screaming, I guess is probably <clears throat> more appropriate. <clears throat> And we lived there for 10 years, had two kids, got married, and then he drugged me back here kicking and screaming. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm happy to be back. You know, I still have a lot of family in Chicago and it's very much a home base for me, but Lincoln and Nebraska definitely is the other 50% of that time. So sure. I I, I guess I I didn't know that. I didn't know that you were kind of born and raised in Chicago. And that, that makes a lot of sense now that there was that connection. Mm -hmm, Uh, mm Mm-hmm. So when you you came to Lincoln in high school, is that is that what you said? I went. You moved from Kearney. You moved from Chicago to Kearney. Yeah. Yeah. I lived in a suburb, so it wasn't necessarily an urban environment, and um, except for I had exposure to that, you know. And but I was suburbs of Chicago is still way different than Kearney. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I was 12. And so I wasn't driving oh, yeah. around and getting into trouble on my own and sure. exploring by myself and doing that kind of thing. So moving into that smaller community was, uh, it was good. It, it afforded me a lot of opportunity to just kind of live out dreams. And I sort of feel that way. I do feel that way about Lincoln too, you know, just mm-hmm. the, the lack of competition from having so many people in such a small space can be polarizing and it can be stifling for creative expression. And so when you're in a, in an environment where there is a lot of opportunity to kind of get, uh, get in a play or be mm-hmm. on the sports team, cause there isn't a ton of competition. You really find out what, what you love and what you want to do. And I, th- um, I think that's a fascinating perspective though, because you, I think the narrative is those bigger areas, those, you know, larger cities, you know, you, you think that that's the place that has all of those opportunities. But from your perspective, it was like, no, the smaller, the, the smaller pond afforded you more freedom. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, you don't necessarily need a lot of money or you just need some time and you need mm-hmm. a drive to put a project together. Yeah. You know, and if you're in a larger community, there's a lot of people 
like you doing the same thing. And so just trying to get people to even come to your show or, you know, take in what you're putting out there can be frustrating in itself. Mm -hmm. Um, But also too, when you get into a larger community like Chicago and you have so many people who are so wonderful at what they do, then that's where the the competitive drive comes in, you know, and some people really excel in that and some people don't so much. So I don't know. I guess I always, um, if you're talking about like small community versus large community, there's a lot about Chicago that I miss so much, just the difference in people and everything that you can take in. You have everything that you could possibly ever want to explore. But then when you go to a smaller community, I think of places that I've been like Ord and even Kearney that have that prioritize art in their communities and it's available for everybody to participate in. I think there's really, there's a real value in that. Yeah. That just kind of gets missed sometimes in larger communities. So I, I love the, I love the Ord drop. I, I went to high school Ord. and I was just Ord. back there. Like, you know, I don't know. It was the fall on We were on our way out to South Dakota for some hiking in the black Hills. And I mean, that little community is so great. The theater mm-hmm. they've, they've converted into performance. Your theater space. is stuffed with corn husks. I know. You guys. Like <laughs> that insulated. is how, that is how it is insulated and it's incredible. And they have an amazing, brewery there yeah, scratch town yeah. guys yeah and mike just... one of the scratch town guys uh, or actually caleb went to high school with me in carney so there you oh, go very cool yeah i i walked around I'm like you know i haven't been back to Ord in a long time it's a great little you know yeah. i like it here you know yeah. I, I i have fond <laughs> memories of that place and i'm glad to know it's still thriving mm-hmm. so what was it for you in high school like what was the thing was it theater was it music or was it kind of that small town thing where you did everything you could do I did. I was in theater. That was my big, my big thing. I also did speech and debate. Yeah. And um, I, that was, that was the big stuff for me. I also did student government and I had a really great pack of friends that we just tore it up all over the place. Mm. Got into a little trouble, not too much, you know. Yeah. The appropriate amount. Just the right amount. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, some relationships that are still very strong for me, still great relationships that I have. And uh, it was a, it was a really, a really nice, nice place to be during Mm -hmm. that age for sure. Cool. Yeah. So then, so then when high school was over, it was, you're like, I want to be a theater major. Is that, is that what your major was? Is that what you went to study? Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I found out very quickly though, that the prospect of having to make that a living was not attractive to me at all. I am not a competitive person. I'm (laughs) very much in the, in the vein or in the place of, you know, we all, we all do better when everybody's doing better, not audition. I got the part you didn't. (laughs) And I didn't, I did not do good being in a group of people that did not think in that same way as I did. And so I just didn't enjoy it at all. Teachers yeah. were great. You know, yeah. my colleagues were great. My, the, my fellow, my peers, but it just wasn't for me. And it took me a long time to figure that out because I had been in theater since I was a kid. Right. I started doing like community and regional theater in Chicago when I was younger. Mm-hmm. So having to give the, having, being okay with giving up that dream took me a long time to get there. And it was, it was depressing for me for a long time. The, like, there had to been like a, like a grief process there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But that's cool, though, that you were able to have that perspective and just say, you know, after having had this experience, this doesn't, I mean, I love it, but it doesn't really fit with how I want to live my life. I mean, that's, Mm -hmm. that's a pretty, that's a big, that's one of those uh, alpha level decisions. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how I got through that with still having a lot of self-confidence to move on to something else. I mean, it was difficult. And so I always tell people, you know, be honest with yourself. You have to be honest with yourself if something's working and bringing you joy. If it's Mm -hmm. not, then you don't have to, you don't have to live your life doing something just because you always thought that that's what you should be doing. Or (laughs) what people said you should be doing. Yeah. I'll never, I I mean, I'll I'll get a look. I've had a similar experience, even though I'm still working in the theater when I sort of like embraced that I really wanted to teach because I wanted to teach, but I also wanted, I, I felt called to that, you know, like also I wanted the stability, you know, I wanted to, that the reality of 
being in Los Angeles saying, do I want to do this now that I'm engaged and married? Do I want to leave grad school and just schlep around and maybe mm-hmm. make money to, you know, like the reality right. of that was tough. And I've seen people and we both know the same folks that have mm-hmm. struggled in and out and, and God bless them. But at the same time, it was like, that was not for me. And I had to, I had, and I'll never forget Kirsten saying, like we had a really intense conversation and she was like, Joel, fuck your dreams. Like, mm-hmm. what do you want? Like mm-hmm. fuck that idea of, you know, getting this thing that you think you're supposed to have. What is it that you really, what do you do? What do you really desire? What do you want? And that's like, that's hard. That's not as enlightening as it sounds. It's really hard to like step out of that and step towards something else. Well, and I, you know, there's so much and being a mother, I always tell both of my kids you know, the whole, you can do whatever you want. You can be the strong person you want to be, yada, yada, yada. But then I really try to pull back from asking them what they want to be when they grow up, because how are they supposed to know Right. for the love of God? How are they supposed to know at ages 14 or 11, what they want to be when they grow up? And that's, I think the conversation when I was a kid being a Gen Xer or whatever, um, you know, or even before that, what you want to be when you grow up was something that you were constantly asked all through school, you know, and everything. And those dreams are awesome to have, but you change so much and you should from childhood to adulthood. So why wouldn't you pivot on that dream? If it's something that you just don't find attainable or joy in. Yeah. I, I, I just had this kind of conversation with this. I teach this sort of interdisciplinary class Mm -hmm. and I basically went down that rabbit hole with juniors. These, these are juniors in college. And I'm saying like, you know, what do you want to be? Or not, what do you want to be? But I was like, what's your, I I had them all do uh, what I call a personal manifesto. And I call them all comrades too. Cause I hope somebody's just going to report me as a communist, but, (laughs) um, but they, they were like, they were like, it, it, it was hard for that, even at that age group, even at that level, they've kind of completed most of their major. They're still kind right. of attached to this idea of what I'm studying and what my career is, who I, who I am, what my identity is, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, 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 uh, that's conditioning, you know, and how of- old are these kids? 21, 20, 21. Yeah. I was a mess when I was 21. Same. I think you saw me as a 20 year old mess, Carrie. I was a 20 year old mess. You had some good hair though. You still have good hair. (laughs) Curly, curly hair. It's all good. Thank you. It's all good. We're supposed to be a mess when we're 21. (laughs) That's not the message I got growing up. No, I know. Not the message I got growing up. Hmm. I know. I know. But I feel stronger and centered and happier in my life now than I ever have when I was young. And I look back at pictures of myself and I have always had a big smile on my face. That's just my personality. And I'm an, I'm an optimistic, positive person. And I still am that way. And maybe that's what got me through is that I knew that I would be okay. Mm -hmm. You know, I knew I'd be fine. And I didn't know it would leave me here where I am now, (laughs) but I'm 43 and I feel like I've, I've come to a place that I can just go, okay, we're good. Everything's yeah. good. Yeah. I love this. Yeah. That's Man, a nice I, feeling. That's so mm-hmm. like that. I'm, I I'm turned 50 this year and like, it's fairly recently that I feel kind of the same way. I'm like, you know, I'm pretty pleased with how things are with me and my, yeah. the world, you know, like we're good. It's yeah. nice. Took yeah. a long time to get here. Right. And the fact that you're supposed to know what you're, you, this, the fact that you're supposed to be there and know what you're supposed to be going for in your twenties through college is always something I think about. I'm like, I had no idea, <laughs> none whatsoever. <laughs> and I, and I kind of, I kind of, you know, that timeline tracks. I mean, I just turned 20, 41. And when I was 21, I made huge shifts and all that stuff. So it's like, you have to live a whole nother lifetime to get to that. You know what I mean? But at the age of 20, the the pressure is on and Mm-hmm. I could go down the rabbit hole of internalized capitalism, but I won't. It's a little too early for that. <laughs> but that's that's the deal is that we have this idea that you need to decide where you fit in and and like what you're going to produce in order to fit into the world. And you need to be okay with that and have that all ironed out right now. And it's like mm-hmm. the reality is you've got a whole nother 
you've got to double that age number to get to that call, you know, like mm-hmm. I, that's, just that's give a, yourself some time to do it. Yeah. Right. Be gentle with yourself and understand that you need to figure it out. Yeah. That's not a message a- that's really, you know, uh, taught is a, just be gentle with yourself. Give mm-hmm. yourself some time, give your, give your spirit some space to figure out what it wants to be. Like mm-hmm. that's not, that's Mm-mm. no, go, 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 go. Yeah. And the buzz, the buzz phrase in the last 10 years, I feel like has been self-care, mm. self-care, self-care, self-care. And I feel like that that's a huge part of that mm. is just allowing yourself space to think and vision and mm-hmm. dream and all of that stuff. And that, that for me is like part of my self-care routine is I'm not even kidding you, you guys. So I love my job. I, yeah. I love it. And it's wonderful, but it's, it can be stressful and it's a lot and it's very forward facing. So I'm in front of a lot of people constantly and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm an extrovert, but I'm also very much like an introvert too. I have both, both dual personalities. Right. And I got <laughs> home, I get home on Friday night sometime and I sit in my library in the dark and just oh, sit there. That's nice. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. In the quiet. But that's yeah. what I mean. Like that's my time for me to kind of c- decompress, think about all the things that I want to do, you know, and think about all the things that I accomplished and how happy I am. I got those done. And that's just part of my self-care routine. And I don't think when you're younger, you necessarily allow yourself or feel comfortable even doing that. So I can completely agree with that. It's only been in the last few years out of what felt like, uh, also, I mean, also what felt like a, an anxiety gun to my head, it was like, you need to stop. You need to take time to clear your head or at least deal with your head. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the meditation and, and spiritual practice was like, people have been telling you this for years, dude, but you better start doing this. And like, that's right. what I hear in you saying. And like, I was thinking about this the other day, um, is that, uh, you know, I love my job too. And I, but it also is very stressful. And I'm also, you know, trying to do a bunch of stuff there, but I got, I got home the other day and I was like, it dawned on me. And I would think I was talking to Kirsten. I was like, they're not paying me to worry about this right now. Mm-hmm. They're not this. They're not paying me to worry about my job when I'm not doing it. Right. And, and it was like, I need, I need to practice that, <laughs> you know, like I need to find time to to really enjoy the days off and really not put my, you know, like Mm -hmm. nobody's paying me to worry about this right now. Right. See, but see like my work, like I could be working right now. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm salaried and I have a never ending to do list. And Mm -hmm. frankly, probably four or five things at the top of it are kind of important, you know, (laughs) to the organization. And just, uh, uh, Carrie, I'm the uh, director of it for the hospital in Syracuse. Okay. So like, there's security things. There's just this never ending list. And mm-hmm. if I get spun out about it, I become really ineffective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just, get, I become paralyzed, you know, mm-hmm. and like, that's a really bad. So that's kind of what, like part of what I look at as my job is to make, it's like the whole, when you're in the airplane, the oxygen mask comes down you got to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. We had this leadership retreat on Friday, which was time well spent. So normally that that thought kind of makes me want to puke in my mouth a little bit, but um, <laughs> um, it was really Synergy. good. And that's one of the things that we talked about is like, if I am projecting stress from my office, like how does that affect the people that report to me? Mm-hmm. It's not yeah. great. And I really had to, I had to pull back like, oh my God, I'm guilty of this because the last, well, year has been really hard. And I really had this idea that like around fall that I'd kind of get some time to uh, refocus and have some space to really kind of reprioritize. And that has not happened. Mm -hmm. There've been some security things and just like, it's been just the hits just keep coming. Like I let, like I've let that get to me. I have let that get to me. And so I like that. I've really had to pause just like two days ago and be like, okay, all right we've gotten way off track here. Like yeah. the stress is real. Like it's real mm-hmm. and the problems are real and the work that needs to be done is real. But the way that I've been responding to it has not been super helpful. Mm-hmm. And if you're in leadership, that is part of your salary is mm-hmm. dealing with that stress and making sure that you're taking care of yourself. So you can be the one to make those decisions and 
to help everybody else through it and all of that good stuff, you know, mm. and that's, that should be listed in a job description. <laughs> mm. Yeah. I think you're right. You know, yeah. I'm very fortunate to work for an organization that sees that. Like yeah. we yeah. actually spend intentional time talking about this stuff, yeah. which is cool. Like it's the first time I, I've never worked someplace where like, no, really you need where we have coaching about that and mm -hmm. talk about it and value mm -hmm. um, people's um, mental space. Mm -hmm. Like that's think, amazing. You know? Yeah. Think, yeah. Those questions in an interview instead of like, you know, how will you, I mean, like kind of what it sounds like sometimes, like, how will you, how are you willing to abuse yourself for this job? Right. You know? Pretty much. But, but yeah. the, the real good question is how do you take care of yourself that has yeah. nothing to do with work? Like, mm -hmm. how, are you okay mm -hmm. away from what you identify as your job? Right. Yes. <laughs> I used you know? to work at a, I used to work at a place. My coworker and I were joking, like we were writing a, like writing a job description or an ad for our, for our work. You know, it's like the headline was like, do you have low self-esteem? <laughs> you come from a dysfunctional family. If so, you know, have we got a job? <laughs> this is the place for you. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> like one so we, we didn't really family. cover this, Carrie. What do you do? What is it right. that you say you do here? <laughs> I'm the general manager of KZUM, which is nonprofit community radio here in Lincoln, Nebraska. That's awesome. We're going so to have our 44th birthday next month. Oh, so. my gosh. Amazing. Yeah. Happy birthday, KZUM. Heck, yeah. So, so how did you? How did yeah. that happen? Well, okay. Here's the, here's the long and the short of that. I've always been a KZUM fan. Even back in college, I loved KZUM. There was this show called Dance Bands, or no, not Dance Bands anymore. Um, that's one that's currently on. Uh, Dave's Closet. And it's a jazz show. And uh -huh. I used to work at a novel idea bookstore downtown and not really take home a paycheck, you know, just take home books and books. <laughs> that's the way that's, it goes. That's but not anyway, a bad way to get paid. I know, I know. So one of the the hosts of Dave's Closet used to come in and bring us CDs to listen to. He also cleaned O'Rourke's during the day. He's oh. he was this um, sweet older gentleman Dave, named Dave Hoffman who also had a pretty um, noticeable speech impediment, mm -hmm. and he was on the radio every week. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was so cool mm -hmm. that there was a space for him to be able to be there and speak freely and play music that he loved and all these CDs he would bring in just were amazing and um, beautiful jazz vocalists and all the big bands and all that good stuff. So I'd listen to them when I was there. So that started kind of my love for KZUM, moved away, came back working in mortgage. Somehow I got roped into working in finance. I don't know how that happened, but because I hate math, but I guess that's just a part of me now. And <laughs> <laughs> so I'd been working in uh, the financial mortgage, all of that stuff for about 11 years. And the job for KZM general manager came up. And I just said to myself, like, I kind of thought I was going to be doing this for the rest of my life because it's steady and it has health insurance and all that good stuff, but I don't really want to do it anymore. Like, mm. this isn't me. What am yeah. I doing with my life? Like yeah. kind of an early midlife, you know, switch, not crisis, a switch. And so I went for the job and I got it. And I think that one of the reasons that I did get it was because of my financial background, you know, wow. so that sort of helped me into this place that I'm in now. And the really cool thing about it too, is that before I moved back, uh, Dave Hoffman passed away or he must have passed away, like right when I was moving back and I never got to reconnect with him, um, which was sad. But then I started working at KZUM and I noticed all of these CDs there that had um, a piece of tape on them that said DH on them. And I'm like, what mm. are these? And he donated all of his music back to the radio station. Mm. So I have my own jazz show now. I've had it for almost six years. It's called The Hot House. It's on Monday afternoons. And I get to play all of that music that he used to lend me to listen to. That really started my KZUM journey and even my love for jazz too. So it's so full circle for me. It's just amazing to be in that space and know that there's 44 years of people who have been volunteering their time to make that place work. And then all these donors throughout 
that time too, that have been donating their hard earned money mm. <laughs> to make it work mm-hmm. too. So it's a community effort and it's just a wonderful place to be a part of. How right. does it, how does a community radio station stay alive for 44 years? Like what do you, as the general manager now, as you look back mm-hmm. from its inception to now and, it, and you're kind of leading the charge, like how does it not get, how does it, how does it not go under? How does it stay alive? Um, I would say relevancy. Mm. That word is huge. When you talk about community media, you have to be relevant to your community. You have to uh, reflect your community. You have to be open to your community. People have to create, or I guess you have to have people create content for the, for themselves and for their listeners that they can relate to. And I think that that's probably the biggest reason that KZUM is still around. I mean, people have said it over and over, like radio's dead. Nobody listens to the radio anymore, this and that, but we have people who, you know, call us or send in letters and say, I'm a shut in. This is how I listen to my neighbors, you know, Mm. or we had a, we had a lady early on in the pandemic who lost two sons from COVID and she donated a huge amount of money to us, probably more than her means because she got through that by listening to the radio, listening to KZUM and the people that she knows and talking about the community. And so there's, I mean, that's a huge reason that we're able to get through. Um, Also, we've had a, a string of general managers and people who have worked at the station who have done everything from sell hot dogs out in front of ideal, you know, to raise money, to grant writing, to all of that, you know, all of those pieces that you need to raise money for a nonprofit. And you have to have people in the organization who are bold and are willing to take on those zany, weird ideas, Mm. (laughs) you know, there's, and then, and the nice thing about KZUM too, is that we don't have um, like a corporate overlord or leadership, you know, printing out playlists for us, telling us that we have to play or telling us how we need to raise our money or, you know, what we need to do. We can be creative from January 1st to December 31st and how we do all of these things. And that is such a joy to be, and it's, it's scary kind of too, because if you, if you do one of those zany weird ideas and it fails, you know, especially if you love something so much, you're just like, Oh my God, I ruined everything, (laughs) but you didn't. (laughs) It's all about that perspective. But I think that, you know, if I have to really just, have one word that encapsulates what KZUM is. It's just, it's relevant and it's always going to be relevant if we have that community focus as our, the forefront of our mission, you know, well, whether the community knows it or not, they need KZUM. We need KZUM. Mm-hmm. I, I always kind of envision KZUM as, uh, you know, not exactly a pirate ship, but truly independent, you know, when the vast media landscape is, you know, pretty clear channel centered or whatever to have this pirate ship bringing in, um, substance. Yeah. Bringing in things that actually matter and not everybody wants to listen to that and that's fine. Sure. You know, Mm -hmm. but that's always been my, uh, I'm from Lincoln. And then my family moved away and then I moved back in 1994 and I was not in great shape. Um, but I had spent the last few years following or running around with the grateful dead and that situation. And I came back to Lincoln to kind of get my act back together. And, Mm -hmm. um, but I was sad and I was grieving a certain like that music basically. And, um, and I didn't really know, you know, like I didn't know a whole lot of people or whatever, but I was over at my my best friend's parents' house and I was walking through their kitchen and I heard 
Grateful Dead music. And I don't mean like Casey Jones. I mean like weird music mm -hmm. coming out of their television. And I'm like, okay, am I having a flashback? Like what is <laughs> happening here? This is so strange because they were not down. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But it was this weird moment where this wormhole opened up. And the thing that I was really missing was coming at me mm -hmm. at, at a time when like it was, I was just missing it. And, and how is this even happening? What well, was on channel 10 on cable? Mm -hmm. And it was Casey was the Grateful Dead Hour, David Gann show. Mm -hmm. And that so that was how I found out about KZUM. Mm. So like that's just always been really important to me. And uh, and as I'm sitting here saying this, it hit me when we were talking to him like, I haven't given KZUM any money in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> we have a fun drive coming up next yeah, month. Well, bad listener. Bad listener. <laughs> <laughs> so I signed it out and I've kicked a few bucks into the case. You oh, yeah. awesome. so have, have something resembling a clear conscience as we're talking. <laughs> I love it. But I mean, like that's, uh, but yeah, I mean that, but I'm glad that we're having this conversation because it really has made me think back like, oh, like, cause I'll, I'm guilty. Like I listen to a lot of podcasts, mm -hmm. you know, I'm like, that's, I, I commute to Syracuse every day. I have a lot of windshield time. Mm -hmm. And I just, I, I've really kind of gotten away from, from KZUM just because mm -hmm. I've gotten distracted by other things, you know? Sure. Well, and that's the name of the game right now. There's so much coming at you from every which way, especially online. And that's like, one thing that Harry, we really, huh? there are men that have podcasts. <laughs> I know. It's really scary. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have, and that's one thing that we've been working on a lot over the last couple of years is just making sure that we have on-demand listening, which we mm. do. Yep. We have archives of all of our music programs um, that go back only two weeks because that's what we can do for music rights, you know, but oh, we have wow. podcasts of all of our talk programming and original podcasts. And we do have a lot of wonderful community partnerships with people who are already creating podcasts that we help. Um, that we host on our website also to help get that extra content out there. Mm -hmm. And so that's been a huge focus of ours right now. One thing that I'm so excited that we're doing is we're hiring for a full-time news journalist to wow. just focus on community Lincoln media. Oh which my gosh. It's going to be awesome. I have to find the right person and I know I'm going to, Yeah, but I can't wait right now. Um, there's I think anybody would not, not argue that there's an assault on media. And when I'm talking about media, what people initially think of is they think of um, commentators, like those, those talking heads that you have on TV. Yeah, no matter what side of the spectrum that you're on, you have people who are taking news stories and telling you like their spin on it, which is fine and dandy if that's what you want to listen to. But it's really hard to disseminate and get mm -hmm. and figure out what information you're supposed to be taking in. And I feel like it's this huge bubble that's really burst in the last year, especially or two years. I've been know? watching the Journal Star building get torn down. I worked there for a brief period of time. Yeah. Um, oh, gosh, it's been seven, eight years. I've worked there like three years in the IT department, not in the editorial side or, you know, mm -hmm. the writing side. But I know met all those people. If they had a computer, I talked to them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yep. And that was really um, like the Craigslist thing was really starting to hit hard. And I just watched mm -hmm. in real time local journalism get gutted. Mm -hmm. And yeah. it's really, really sad. Like it it's one of those, sad. you don't know what you've got till it's gone. And mm -hmm. I don't I don't think people understand. I had a really nice shock with, you know, Gordon Winters. Mm -mm. Um, he was at the J Star for many, many years, decades. And uh, he, you know, it's just one of those things he never talked about. Like it, when he was like, if you wanted to know what was for school lunch, you looked at the newspaper. If you want yeah. to know what the weather was, you looked at the newspaper. Right. If you wanted to know what was going on in your community, you looked at the newspaper mm -hmm. and that's all kind of just gotten. And, it, and maybe that's the way it's supposed to be. I don't know. I'm not, you know, trying to bemoan that, but that's the thing that's, I'm so pleased to hear you say that because that's the thing that. I mean, out of chaos and disorder comes new order, right? Right. The old institutional uh, lo local journalism just gets destroyed. Something yeah. is going to come up to buttress that and to renew exactly. it. Well, the bubble, the bubble, I would say, has burst. And I think that people are really looking for some 
someone they can trust. And when you talk about, like when we talk about relevancy, news has such a huge portion of that because Lincoln Knights and people here, I think really want to understand what's going on in their community and how they can help and how they can participate. And you can't get that in a huge conglomerate piece of information coming out at you. Like, especially that has kind of an agenda. Right. And so I think about things like, you know, a couple months ago when they were talking about redistricting. Yeah. Well, why was that important? Mm -hmm. Who in Lincoln is that going to affect? And why should I, or should I not vote for those things? None of that was being talked about. Mm -hmm. I can't, I can't think of anything, anybody that was talking Mm -hmm. about that. And I'm here to tell you that we're on a good path because in my, um, like my colleagues, when we're all talking about community media across the United States, these small community organizations, small community radio stations are hiring weekly. I see journalists, um, people looking for journalists, people creating news departments, you know, and there's so much support from places like the Corporation for Public Broadcasting and all of these different entities that are really supporting these small community organizations to create newsrooms. So people in their communities can become more active, informed, and really um, participate in not only their communities, but in democracy. Because I really do feel that the reason that democracy works is because of free press. And I am going to be a part of that. I'm going to make sure that Lincoln is a part of that. And I'm so thankful that I can be a part of a 44 year legacy Mm. that can take all of this amazing music and all of this wonderful community activism that we've helped and then build on top of that to create something that's going to get our community and all of the new Americans, new people in our community and the people who've been here a long time, get us all further. So I, I got choked up when you were saying that Carrie, because I mean, for the last, like, you know, five years, the, the, the conversation around our political sphere has been absolutely bonkers. It's been bonkers. bonkers. And, You're right. and, and the, and a mantra that has arose from that, that has really kept me from going off the freaking deep end has been mm-hmm. all politics are local. Mm-hmm. All politics yeah. are, are local. I mean, mm-hmm. we get sidetracked by the, the reality show that is the larger votes. And those are very important for They're sure. Important. Yeah. But those don't, those aren't important if the local ones are not important. You know what I mean? Like that, that, sh- that shit doesn't matter unless it matters around around here. And like, mm-hmm. I think that's really cool that like, because there's like a, a space or a vacuum a little bit that like community radio can like, Hey, we, uh, we have some autonomy here mm-hmm. <laughs> and we can kind of try to be as central and as fact-based as we can. And yeah. sure. You're going to get people that are offended by the facts or, <laughs> oh, sure, <laughs> you know, sure. but like, that's yeah. cool. Well, and we've been working for I mean, a few years ago, KZUM was part of a 10 station cohort throughout the country. And this is where I'm saying the CPBs really come in and put, I mean, besides the fact that they're a great um, leadership organization, but a couple of years ago, they, st- they worked with the National Federation for Community Broadcasters, which I'm actually on their board now. Mm. Um, those two entities came together and said, okay, well, let's do this. Let's pick out a couple stations in the country that are working on um, community engagement as part of their programming um, and help them build capacity to do that and more. And so KZM was chosen as one of these 10 stations. And we were working with really um, small communities like Marfa, Texas, um, let's see, Point Reyes, California, um, even like uh, Durham, North Carolina. So it was a really wonderful um, refocus for me as a organizational leader, as a a community um, media person to 
have all of these different perspectives from all of the country and then be inspired what people are doing in their communities that are as big as Lincoln or even smaller, you know, and it gave me a lot of wonderful ideas. It gave me a lot of wonderful colleagues that I bounce ideas off of all the time, because when it comes down to it, there's not a whole lot of organizations around me, even regionally that are like KZUM. And so it's wonderful to have a close group of people that I can refer to when I'm thinking about outside of the box, like, is this weird? Or have you tried this? Or I'm so frustrated because this isn't working. And it's just, it's a wonderful, wonderful group of people. And we're still working together quite a bit. So anyway, um, the reason that I brought that up is because at that point, that was in 2018, that's when we started to really focus on how can we build capacity in our organization to make something like this work. And we've been able to get some grant funding for this position, which is great. So that'll last us a couple of years. And then throughout the process, when we're um, creating this programming, um, using that to kind of show our, show the track record to get, to get more funding. So I think it's going to be really great. I'm, and that's the stuff I think about when I come home on Friday night and I turn (laughs) off my light and I'm sitting in my library, I'm like, okay. Let's remember all of the things that I'm so excited to do and brush off the whatever I had to deal with this week, you know? Yeah, that's and that's like that's like good practice, right? To like what keep keeping the main thing, the main thing and letting go of the stuff that isn't necessary, you know, like the worry, the the fear, the the conflict you have with a colleague like that stuff is going to that stuff is going to dissolve. But what's what's the main thing? And Mm -hmm. and then be able to be at home with your family. Yes. (laughs) And like, you know what I mean? And like, yes. do that and be there yeah. because yeah. it's that that makes you that personality at work that people enjoy, you know? Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Huh. Um, we're getting, we're getting close to the end, but I, I want to, I want to, I always kind of do some questions that we're going to get to, but I, I think let's say of our dozens of listeners here in the dozens, <laughs> We're talking dozens, Carrie. <laughs> We're kind of a big deal. Uh, what is, what are some, what are some things that KZUM, uh, what are some shows, programs, things that people, that, that, what the work that y'all are doing mm-hmm. that, that the average um, person in Lincoln may be surprised to hear? They're like, sure. they didn't know that was for them. Sure, sure. So, Um, you know, one thing that I'm really proud of is obviously our music programming. We focus a lot on independent and local music. So throughout the day, you're going to hear a lot of local artists, which I think is really, really cool. Um, and we have great blocks of music that lend itself to, whatever you're doing on any given day, you know, for example, on Friday nights, we have a great kind of Americana country swing, Western swing rockabilly lineup. And so it's super fun. But then on Saturdays we have um, independent DJs who bring in all of this great music and we have hip hop until four in the morning, which is really fun. Mm -hmm. Um, So just like how we've created these sort of like blocks of music that include so many independent artists, I think is amazing. And we have the best volunteers ever. Um, Some of the other things that we're doing are, like I said, partnering with community organizations to create content. So we have um, some great programming in Spanish, including a podcast. These ladies that are doing this podcast, it's called 402 on Espanol. They're awesome. Mm -hmm. They're they're people who are new to America, new to Lincoln, and their podcast is centered around navigating this community as a parent with a family and not necessarily being able to speak the language the best at first. So like one of their stories that they tell, it's so great. It's about um, how to navigate a blizzard when you've never experienced it before. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah. I- Obviously, I've never had that perspective, so I never would have even thought, but there's so many people who live in this community and probably for the first time who had would have no idea how to navigate an intense amount of snow or weather, you know? That's, so that's beautiful. That's like practical. I mean, that's beautiful. It's I awesome. know. So that's, that's a really, that's a really cool, cool program. That's so great. 
Yeah. Hmm. So uh, what are you listening to these days, Carrie? As far as music goes? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, or anything, really. No, Podcasts, no. So, books, whatever. Sure, yeah. sure. So I read a lot. Um, and I listen to podcasts. I don't listen to a lot of national ones. I tend to just focus on ours so I can like kind of like pick them apart in my own brain and stuff like that. But um, I also listen to a lot of... Oh, since I have my jazz show, I listen to tons of jazz for that. What kind of jazz? Um, well, my show is centered around early and traditional jazz. So like basically everything from the early 20s through like 1960. Okay. Um, I love like Louis Armstrong, early sure. Louis Armstrong and Billie Holiday and all that good stuff. <sighs> I know. <laughs> so good. You have to mm-hmm. hold your heart a little bit. When a little you bit. Yeah. It really does. <laughs> Man. Um, I, I read a lot. I um, listen to a lot of soul music, 60s and 70s soul. Love it. Um, and my favorite new artist right now, I've been listening to a lot of is Ray Zaragoza. I don't know if you know Mm-mm. her. Mm-mm. She's this beautiful singer-songwriter who writes these, and she's indigenous, and so a lot of her themes are about the um the earth and the land and just being centered and all of that wonderful her voice is incredible so check her out for Rhea sure Rhea Zaragoza Zaragoza Z A R A G O Z A I believe okay. so yeah I love I love getting to yeah hear about new new artists I have no idea about so that's so cool Thanks yes that. oh my gosh she's great <laughs> Uh, you mentioned earlier something about a, a fun drive. When does that kick off for KZUM? Is that is that coming up? Yeah, thanks for asking. So uh, February 10th is when it starts. We always have a fun drive around our birthday to celebrate our birthday. And that's simply, you know, going to our website or calling us up on the phone and making donations. We do three of those a year. We'll have a new t-shirt and all of that good stuff for thank you gifts and Usually we raise um, anywhere between thirty and forty thousand dollars during this one. So it's and it's a big one because we haven't had a fun drive in five months. Wow. So it's it's a good one to kind of bring our bank bank back up. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Yeah. So, what's the goal? Um, forty forty thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. What if it was forty four? It would be amazing if it was 40. <laughs> we can we can up that as much as we want. That's right. <laughs> Where is KZUM located right now? Where do you broadcast out of? Is it still the terminal building? No, our um our antenna and our transmitter are still in the terminal building, but we are located on 48th and Calvert. Oh, sure. Okay. At the very top of Peanut Hill. Peanut Hill. Peanut Hill. I didn't know that was a thing. Yep. It's a okay. thing. All right. <laughs> New, Apparently, fun, I guess link, it used to be a big peanut farm. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Nice. Um, Carrie, I, I just am, I mean, I feel like you are, a, you and Mike both, but, but getting to hear what you're doing with KZUM and your attitude about this community, we are eternally grateful to have your energy and your, and your perspective and your heart and soul a part of our community. So thank you. And not just for being on our goofy podcast, but just thank you for the, for the yeah, for the energy you give to this community. And as, thank you for as a Lincoln resident, like that's really important and yeah, keep up the good work for sure. Oh, thanks. You know, yeah. I'm like, I made the joke earlier that I was kind of kicking and screaming, coming back here from a place that I thought I was going to live forever for the rest of my life. And I see my kids flourishing and I love my life that I've made here and um, my friends and I really feel rooted in what's happening here and being able to, you know, hopefully make a difference in the way that the community functions after I'm now no longer in it Mm. would mean everything. And I hope, and I, and it's kind of like when you're in the bathroom and you try to pick up the bathroom before you leave to leave it better than it was when you got there. I love <laughs> kind of the same thing where I, I would love to be able to make a mark that allows for people or helps people to be better mm. or just feel better here. So that's kind I of, think you're on the right track. I think that's happening. 
Yeah, yeah, for real. Yeah. So thanks for that. And thanks for your time this morning. I know yeah. we're all getting very precious about our weekends and I really appreciate <laughs> you being willing to do this. And it's really, it's really great to connect with you on this level, Carrie. And, um, you know, it's just a lot, there's something to be said for that, that idea of letting go, what isn't serving you to grow towards something that will, and you are a prime example of that. So mm-hmm. thanks for sharing that story with us. We appreciate Oh, you're it. welcome. Thanks so much. You guys, I appreciate you putting the good, the good out there. Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Well, when we bring people like you on, it's much better <laughs> it's, because it's Steve weird. and I will just, it's a fucking echo chamber where we just complain round and round. So whatever, <laughs> you guys are awesome. I, yeah, I, I, I do. I mean, Kirsten kept, because I mentioned your name a while ago. And I'm like, she's like, you got to get carry on. You got to get carry on. So, it, it, you know, it, it, I got to get out of my head too. So yeah, that's, it's <laughs> glad, I'm glad that you're able to be here and, and brighten, brighten the room a little bit. <laughs> Thanks, Carrie. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you so much.
Don't forget, toot your hooter.